We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. I want us tonight to think about several passages of Scripture. I don't have any specific text. Typically, I like to take a text and look at that text. Tonight, however, I want to look at a number of verses, and I want us to think about some of the goals that we would do well to implement for the new year. Many of us are goal-oriented. As a matter of fact, I would imagine that many of you, prior to the beginning of 2018, probably thought about some things that you would like to accomplish in this new year. And I think it's great to be goal-oriented. I think that it's I think it's very effective to sometimes take to sometimes take take stock of where you are and where you want to be. And typically we talk about goals that we have by way of our physical body, our physical health. Sometimes we are financially motivated to be goal oriented. Tonight, however, I want to talk about some what I would call some spiritual goals. And I want to, in a very simplistic way, share with you three goals that I think we could implement and I believe would help us to be what God would have us to be in the new year. First, I want to talk about in this new year, I would encourage all of us to look upward. Because really, when you think about the Christian life, everything revolves around the Lord, doesn't it? And so we talk about Focusing our eyes upward, thinking about all the great blessings that we enjoy in Christ, thinking about what God has done for us through Christ. And so what about looking upward? Two things very quickly. First, I want to suggest that we spend time every day in private devotion to God. You know, a lot of us like to exercise daily and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's helpful. I think it helps to clear the mind, to bring clarity of thought to our mind. I think it's helpful to the physical body. But more importantly, we ought to exercise our spiritual lives. You remember the Apostle Paul many, many years ago talked about how bodily exercise profits a little. But he said, godliness is much more profitable, isn't it? In other words, accentuating that spiritual dimension of life. So what about private devotion to God? Two things here. First, I want to recommend, I want to encourage you to spend time every single day in prayer to God. Now the passage that Jordan read a moment ago in Colossians chapter 3. Paul said, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. In verse 2 he said, set your mind on things above and not on the things which are on this earth. One of the real challenges is for us to maintain a spiritual mindset in the world in which we live, isn't it? I mean, you think about all of the things that we're bombarded with on a daily basis. And so it's necessary to rope off time to develop some quiet time every day to reflect, and to pray to God. You know, Jesus taught that men ought to always pray and not to faint. In other words, you can become discouraged 
If you, if you just look at things going on in the world and how the world is at large, let me tell you what, you can get discouraged very quickly. Sometimes we become discouraged in the church. And so one of the ways to offset discouragement is to pray to God. And then I think about the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 4 when he said, And nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And he said, In so doing, we enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. So every day, Rope off some time, whether it's early in the morning. I think about David. You remember David in Psalm 55? Said, evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud, and you'll hear my voice. So spend some time every day praying to God. I would encourage you to pray for yourself, for your family members, for your friends, for the church, for our elders, our deacons. There's so many things that we can pray for, and there's a great list of things that we can pray for throughout scripture we talked about some of the purposes of prayer last week there's a second thing i want to encourage you to do by way of private devotion first spend time in prayer and then secondly take time every day to read study and meditate on god's word you will never go wrong spending time in scripture Do you remember the psalmist of old said he meditated on the law of Jehovah and he said he meditated on that law day and night. In Psalm 119, 97, the psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. And so, really, when you think about the scriptures, there is a storehouse of treasure right here. There is so much to learn. And in reading and studying the scriptures... It encourages, it enlightens, it does so many things for us, spiritually speaking. If you're down, read the scriptures. If you're up, read the scriptures. Let me say this. If somebody were to ask me, what should I read? Well, I would suggest every day reading one chapter out of the gospel narratives. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you read, matter of fact, if you read a chapter a day every month, you can go through the four narratives of the gospel. And so over the course of a year, you can read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John three times. And then spend time in the Psalms. If you want insight into what life is all about, read the Psalms because David, for example, you get to sit right beside David as he faces some of the highs and lows and joys and frustrations of life. And you'll see him on some occasions on the mountaintop. And then there are times when he's down in the valley. And note, if you would, the great dependence that he had in God. So read the Psalms, and then by way of practical application, I would encourage us in the Old Testament to read the Proverbs, 31 chapters in Proverbs. You can read a chapter a day, and you can read through the the book of Proverbs 12 times in a year. And then by way of the New Testament, the New Testament counterpart to the book of Proverbs would be the book of James. Five short chapters, so much practical information. And so, if you want 
a starting point, that would be it. So by way of private devotion, pray to God daily. Read His Word daily. Then public devotion to God. This has to do with our corporate worship. I'm very grateful to those of you that chose to come back tonight. And sometimes people ask the question, why should I come to worship? There are two reasons why I think we ought to want to worship God. One is because we have the opportunity to bow in the presence of God, to give Him the homage that He is due. The word worship means acts of reverence paid to deity. The psalmist, I think, expressed it well in Psalm 95 when he said, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. In other words, we have the opportunity to bow in the presence of our Creator, to acknowledge Him as the God of our life, and to recognize that we are utterly dependent upon Him every single day, to express gratitude for all the great blessings and favors that He has bestowed on us. And so we come to God, first and foremost, to give, don't we? And I would, I would say that when we come to worship, we come with the attitude of giving something back to God. In other words, we're giving Him our adoration and praise. And then we come to get, don't we? You know, I think about we come to give, we come to get. Well, somebody says, what would I get out of worship? Well, there are two things. First, I think we gain edification. In other words, we develop spiritual strength and maturity by being together. Let me just cite for you a passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul, when he met with the elders of the church from Ephesus while he was in Miletus, talked about the importance of feeding on God's Word. As a matter of fact, he instructed them to shepherd, to feed the church of God, he said, which was purchased with the blood of Christ. In verse 32, he said, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. One of the byproducts of worship is we come to give, but also to get. And I said just a minute ago, you think about all the forces that are at work in the world in which we live. Sometimes you come home at night and you feel like you've just been beaten to a pulp, beaten down, don't you? And so every first day of the week, we have the opportunity to come and to be edified, to be built up, to remind ourselves that the God we serve is worth our time, our energy, our love, our commitment. So we come to be edified and also to be enriched. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible talks about how the early church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. When you come to corporate worship, you are surrounded by some of the finest people in the world. Think about that for a minute. You are around people that Peter identifies as those of like precious faith. We have the same goals, the same aspirations, We have the same hurts, frustrations, and yet, on the other hand, we have the same joys. We sometimes ride the crest of success together, but we are enriched by being with one another. To think that we can spend quality time 
with people who are identified as believers. Let me tell you what, that's a great blessing. So first and foremost, I would say, look upward. Secondly, I would say, look inward. It's never a bad thing to evaluate where you are in life. And so here's what I would say. As we begin this new year, evaluate where you are in life. Now, sometimes we do that physically. There are times when we sit down with financial advisors and we take stock of where we are financially. There are times when we sit down and take stock, take inventory of where our family is as a whole. But could I encourage you to sit down and inventory where you are spiritually? The Bible talks a lot about faith, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, I think about Jesus, who spoke of those who lacked faith. He also talked about those who had little faith. And then there were those who had great faith. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20, Paul speaks of the great patriarch Abraham, who had a strong faith. And you think about believing The words of God when he said, you're going to have a child, you and Sarah. And so, assess where you are. Do you have great faith? Strong faith? Do you lack faith? Do you have little faith? So, assess where you are, and then here's the key. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? What do you want to define you In 2018, as a Christian, did you know that there is a correlation in our spiritual strength and our study of God's Word, our prayer life, our attendance in corporate Bible study, the worship to God? All of those things will do what? They will help us to get where we want to get. Sometimes it's good to be honest with ourselves. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourselves whether you're in the faith. Is it a good thing sometimes to sit down and to just be very honest and candid with ourselves and say, okay, here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. We got a lot of young folks here. We have a lot of young people in this congregation that I really believe could one day serve as elders, others could serve as deacons. Some might marry a young man who will serve as an elder, who will serve as a deacon. We have young folks here that will one day be Bible teachers in our Bible classes, song leaders, preachers. I mean, you think about all the possibilities. So how do you get from point A to point B? you gotta, you got to come up with a plan, don't you? What is it we say... Plan your work, work your plan. Isn't that helpful? So you think about where you are spiritually. And I would also encourage you to do this. Think about where your family is, spiritually speaking. Is your family where they ought to be? Are they where you want them to be? More importantly, are they where God wants them to be? Let's just say that from your perspective, from the Scripture's perspective... Maybe you're not where you ought to be. 
Let me tell you what, there's hope. The hope is that you can be everything that God wants you to be. How do you do that? Commit. Make the commitment. Think again about what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind on things above and not on things which are on this earth. Sometimes we get so caught up in the world, we lose sight of what's really important, don't we? You remember the Apostle Paul talked about how he looked not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. He said the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen, he said, are eternal. And so to focus on spiritual things, to make some spiritual goals in life, let me tell you what, it will bless you. It will bless your life. So look upward to God in 2018. Look inward to God in 2018. Thirdly, look outward. Look outward in 2018. What do I mean by that? Think about, think about how Jesus demonstrated time and again interest in the lost. There are two things here that I want to share with you. I want to encourage all of us to develop interest in those who are lost. And then I want us, I want to encourage us to invest in the lost. So what about being interested in lost people? Look at the life of Jesus. Was Jesus not interested in people who were lost and dying in sin? Yes, he was. Do you remember when he was in the household of Matthew, the tax collector? And the religious leaders chided him because they said, your master, your teacher, eats with publicans and sinners. And Jesus said, well, those who are, those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus would say, while visiting with Zacchaeus, and as recorded by Luke in Luke chapter 19, that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Look at Jesus' life. The Lord Jesus Christ was interested in people. And I want to encourage us to be interested in the lost because behind every face is an eternal soul that will live forever somewhere one day, either in heaven or hell. We have the opportunity to reach out to those who are lost. The Great Commission involves every single one of us. We're all Christians. We've all been instructed to go and to teach others the gospel. And so as we begin this new year, I want to encourage you to first and foremost be interested in the lost. But then there's a second thing. I want to encourage you to invest in the lost. Let's just start with our own family right here. Are there, are there members here in this congregation that you know of that from a spiritual vantage point are not where they ought to be 
You know what the answer to that is, don't you? Sure. Yes, there are people here that aren't where they ought to be, spiritually speaking. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Identify a family or maybe one individual who you know is not where they need to be. Start praying for them. Send them a card. Send them a note and just say, look, we missed you. We want you here. We need you here. Encourage them and keep encouraging them. And let me tell you what, sometimes it's going to take a long time to get through. But you just keep, you just keep on keeping on. Keep encouraging. So, if you know somebody here that's not where they ought to be, think about taking them under your wing and saying, you know what, I'm going to make it my mission in 2018 to try to get them to grow spiritually, to be where they need to be, where they ought to be. We can do that. So, I think it's going to take befriending those who are not where they ought to be. We talk about investing in the lost. Was Jesus not a friend to sinners? When Jesus broke down those barriers at Jacob's well with the Samaritan woman, Was he not investing some time in somebody who had an eternal soul? The answer is yes. Did he not give her a ray of hope that, you know what, there's a better way to live? Yes, he did. And so I think about Jesus, the people that he came in contact with, and the fact that we can befriend those who are lost, those who are in the church who may not be where they ought to be, those who are outside the church that need the gospel of Christ. So befriend them. And then as I said a moment ago, pray for them. Pray that God will open open their heart to being receptive to the truth of God. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Let me just read for you very quickly a passage from Colossians chapter 4 along these lines. In Colossians 4.2, Paul said, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And then he said, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. He said that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul here is asking the church at Colossae to pray for him. His prayer is that God would open doors so that he might have the opportunity to share the gospel. So can we not pray that doors will open, whether it's in our family, among our friends, our neighbors, our classmates, our co-workers, whatever. Ask God to open some doors, and when those doors open, run through them. Seize the opportunity. So, befriend the lost, pray for the lost, And then teach the lost. That's what Paul did. Do you remember in the book of Philippians when Paul talked about being chained to a Roman guard? And those Roman guards were rotating every four to six hours. 
So every four to six hours, in the course of a 24-hour day, a new guard came on duty. For four to six hours, what do you think the Apostle Paul talked about? Colossians is a prison epistle, isn't it? So would you not say that doors of opportunity were opened even though he was chained to a Roman guard? He could exercise the right, the privilege to share the gospel with that person. I'll tell you what. Jesus talked about the, the fields being white to harvest. I'm convinced that there are lots of people, not just in the world at large, but right here in Olive Branch, right here in this Mid-South area. There are people that are unhappy with where they are in life. They're not satisfied. They're not content. They look at their children. They worry about the future. They have all these anxieties, all these fears. And they're asking questions. Is there something better? Is there a better way of life? What's the future hold? Don't you know that we have the gospel? That we can share a glimmer of hope with people that feel hopeless? We have, we have so many blessings. And we can be a tremendous source of encouragement to people in this world. You think about changing the complexity of our nation. How are we going to change America? How are we going to change the hearts and lives of people? Let me tell you how we do it. We do it with the gospel, don't we? The other day I was listening to one of the television stations or one of the news channels it was right after the recent shooting at Wolf Chase Galleria Mall. They were interviewing a former mayor from Memphis and talking about the problems that we face in this country. And here's what he said. I thought he was right on target. He said, there is a breakdown in the family. Well, that's true. There is. Okay, so what are we going to do about it? Here's what we can do about it. Look out. Think about how people in our world, in this Mid-South area, think about how they need the gospel. One soul at a time. Can we reach people with the gospel? Yes, we can. Are there people out there who have honest and good hearts like Jesus talked about? Yes, there are. So if we do our job, God will certainly do His job because God said through Isaiah the prophet centuries ago, His word will not return to Him void. So the question is, do we have faith? I hope we do. As you think about being goal-oriented for 2018, I want to encourage you to begin by looking upward. Then look inward. Thirdly, look outward. Let's do all that we can to be a blessing in the lives of others in this new year. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for a new year. And we're grateful for all the great blessings and favors that we enjoy in Christ. We're thankful for your love for us. We're thankful to be a member of the body that you have promised to save. And we're thankful for the power of your word and for the influence that it exerts throughout this world and in our lives. Help us to be everything that you would have us to be in this new year. Help us to be sensitive to those who are outside of Christ to recognize their needs, to, to, to befriend them, 
to pray for them, to teach them. Help us to do everything that we can to make your word known to those around us. And help us to live in such a way so that we bring honor and glory to you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, could I encourage you to begin the new year in Christ? What would you need to do? Well, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus, as you well know, identified himself as the Son of God. Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Repent of your sins. Turn from a life of sin. As Peter instructed on Pentecost Day, and then confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. Be buried with him in baptism so that all your sins can be washed away. Acts twenty-two sixteen. In doing that, God will then add you to the church, the body of Christ. And the assurances are that if we are faithful to him, we'll have a home with him in heaven one day. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life When the clouds unfold their wings of strife When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.